Greetings and welcome back listeners. This is kind of a really weird podcast episode I think because it could have been a poem of what I'm going to talk about but alas sometimes we just have to speak what's on our mind and here we are episode 33 of my life not yours. Am I the only one? Dot dot dot. So I ask myself the question am I the only one and I guess there's certain times that everybody says that kind of phrase a little bit flippantly. Am I the only one working the hardest in the company? Am I the only one that can see this bus is not going to move for 25 minutes? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Some of the things I've kind of thought about over time is, am I the only one who was in care? Of course I wasn't. There are thousands, there are thousands of abused, non-abused, homeless, farmed. And if anybody doesn't know what farming is, it's usually where particular cultures, they farm out their kids for a number of years to foster parents and then take them back. And in the Nigerian culture, this is quite big. And there was actually a program ages ago called Farming. And they would farm out their kids to white parents I still don't know the reason for it if I'm honest with you but they'd farm them out to white parents and then take them back later on and I don't know if it's so that they could work and you know all the education system it was very weird but bottom line is there's always a risk in terms of the care system I believe that I was at risk and thousands of other kids at risk that were in local authority care because you're just one of a lot of people that are stuck in there. And I also felt at many of the times that the people that were looking after us didn't give a shit. And I recall the time when I w- it was suggested that I get fostered again out to another family. And I felt excited, but when I look back at it now, it was like I was a piece of meat. I was being advertised to go and live with a family. Now, obviously this was back in the uh, late eighties, sorry, early, early 80s when that happened I've been with quite a few families and um, I feel quite sad when I think about it now and I you know I feel grateful look I'm bringing gratitude back into this I feel so grateful that you know nothing seriously happened to me but I look at that and I think I was like a test and trial almost like the vaccines that we're going through now but the other thing for me was the stigma around children who have been in the care system I have always felt it's pretty immense and you know part of this podcast was to own my truth about my background and I never wanted to be labeled a homes kid or someone had been through the system and that's why a lot of people don't know well you do now obviously but um, it's been my best kept secret for many years and I don't know how that has damaged me going forward and people may say but Tina it wasn't your fault there's no problem with that and I hear you know other people talking about having been fostered and adopted like it's second nature and I've never been able to do that until you know since I started this podcast and the few people that know my background and I think it's because I have also wanted to bury things that weren't quite pleasant that have manifested themselves in later life whether it's relationships and getting on in different environments and I think I feel free now that I have officially quote-unquote come out and owned that truth and as I said this is why this podcast came about. Am I the only one who can actually reflect on a checkered past that has made me who I am today and allowed me to set goals and stand alone literally I feel alone 
okay? And also feel proud of who I am today. Now, let me just come back to the point where I said I feel alone. I am alone, but I'm not alone. And I know every time I walk past somebody sleeping rough on the street, every time I read a story about a child that's been abused or a woman that's been battered, they are so alone. And I don't know if any of you met, not met rather, saw the Netflix drama series The Maid. Wow, that is so powerful. And I look at that and I think, Tina, why are you feeling like you're alone? Why are you feeling that there is nobody you can turn to? And there are people I can turn to, right? But I just, I think I've had this idealised impression of family, of what that means, having people around you. And um, it was interesting the other day when I was at a friend's house and she had this kind of craft afternoon, which was really nice. I haven't done anything like that before. It's really different. And um, they were talking about their partners because her partner was away and they were talking about their partners. And I'm sure she'd listened to this podcast at some point. And they were talking about their partners being away and how they can't sleep. And uh, when their their partners are not in the bed and it just feels uneasy, you know, so they've, the, the partners have gone away to do something. And I sat there and thought, wow, I wonder if I'll ever have that feeling again. Not that I had it before because the partners that I've had, I haven't lived with them all at all. So I've never had that feeling that someone's not in the bed with me. I still think I'm going to have a separate bed when I have a, a partner anyway. If I'm honest, I don't think I can sleep with anybody. I sleep so bad. But um, it just was that feeling of loneliness. And when I actually left my friend's house that weekend, I thanked her for a lovely weekend and just said, you know, you're like family now. And thank you for bringing me into your world. And there was that feeling of I'm going back home alone, but I'm very, very comfortable in my own uh, skin. I guess my own company. There are some people that they always need to be on the move and be with people. I've never been like that. I could be out with a bunch of people or around people for, you know, a whole weekend or whatever. And I just want to get home and be on my own. I just want to be in my own space, whether I'm talking to myself. So it's a kind of conundrum, that one. And sometimes I feel that I stand alone with my I wish I could have or wish I never said that and I'm sorry. I've said the latter a thousand times and I feel no shame in saying sorry, but I think that is one of the problems when you are in your own skin or alone too long, that you start reflecting and you self-sabotage. I say it a lot. If I think of the amount of people that I've lost in my life, and I'm not talking dead, I'm talking about that I have shoved away by behaviours in the past that have not been that great, I really dwell on it. And sometimes it used to keep me awake at night. That's why I'm so glad that I meditate now. And meditation is not an easy feat. But the more I've become self-aware, I've become in tune with what's happened and I've forgiven myself and it's easier to reach out to some I may have hurt and I've had to soldier that burden because the damage has been done and as the saying goes as I know with at least 80% of them some can forgive but they will never forget so I sometimes feel that I am the only one that's made these horrible mistakes and I'm the only one that no one's going to forgive and they won't forget (laughs) And I guess that that leads me on to nicely, am I the only one who often reveals in the past so much the future? No, I've just read that wrong to myself. And I'm giving you a little bit of hint here because these podcasts don't just fly out of your mind and I just talk. I do actually write down some notes. And what I put here is, am I the only one who often revels in the past so much 
that the future feels like yesterday. Let me say that again. Am I the only one who often revels in the past so much so the future feels like yesterday? And it was actually only yesterday I was talking to this guy and he was going on about him and his boy mates and how they chat up girls and how they're all out and there was a mixed bunch of them all out of the weekend celebrating someone's birthday. He's kind of around the 45 year old age group. And it was really weird that I just went back in my head to the days when I literally didn't want to answer my phone because it was like, right, we're going out here, we're going out there, we're doing that. And it's like the older I've got, and maybe it is because, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to leave what I was going to say right there. But maybe it is because everybody's settled into this more mature lifestyle and I'm not sure if I'm there yet with that to put on my carpet slippers sit down watching there's this program in the UK that everybody loves it's reality tv called Strictly Come Dancing I'm sure it's reached the US and other parts of the world but I'm not ready to say yeah I'm gonna have some dinner have a glass of wine put my slippers on and watch Strictly Come Dancing I don't know there's there's and I think this is to do with my past I think there is still this inner child in me that still wants to play and wants to play a yeah I'm gonna get a little bit more tired than what I was before but when he was talking about it I just thought wow what are you doing this weekend then well it's Patrick's birthday so we're all going out for that and then I think we've got one more week and then it's Christmas I'm just like wow and I just remember the times from going out for a boogie to hanging around a friend's house to getting on a plane and we'd all go away to I don't know it was just a fast lifestyle fast and enjoyable I really did I did like it and the amount of people I seem to know oh god and so I've made a little pact to myself as I continually beat myself up about the past and that's the bad things in the past or the things that I can't really change the, the good things I've just been talking about but until someone said and it was a good friend of mine called Mark and he said the past is the past and it's time to move on and continue to live and I think some words I try hard to release the pain of yesteryear that didn't make any sense either did it sometimes it's good to listen to what you're saying in your head and just release the pain of yesteryear so another am I the only one am I the only one who is going through the menopause and has been going through the menopause since 39 years old and I'm now 50 plus. That's all I'm going to say, y'all. And to my female friends who listen into this, I think I will do a whole podcast episode on the menopause because this is the first time I'm addressing it in my podcast. And let me tell you something and all the gents that may be listening It's not an easy thing for a woman to go through. And every woman has different variations of the menopause. And that's if they go through it at all. But all I can say is for this, I've been through everything. Starting off with perimenopause to a night sweat, which is where you wake up and the bed is absolutely soaking wet. I remember going out with this guy and um, he said to me in the morning, were you that excited by me that you wet yourself? (laughs) what a fucking cheek but the fact of the matter is it wasn't funny I'd sweated that much it was through the bedclothes and everything it was disgusting but I'm still going through it now I think I'm coming through the other side but I'm not going to get into all the symptoms of it because I think like I said I'm gonna save it for another episode of the menopause living with the m is what I'm gonna call that one me no pause
pause. I haven't paused. I haven't. But the effects. And I think intertwined with this is I'm childless at 50. And um, why? I don't know. There are so many people like me because I just wonder, am I the only one? And actually what is quite scary with the childlessness, for whatever reason, I think now in this era, there are a lot of women that have not got children. Now, I can't say the reason they've got it. They haven't had children. They've not been dealt the cars they would have liked. We're not robots. We're only human. And there are options for having children. It may not be your own blood ones. But for me, I did get pregnant years and years ago and had a miscarriage. And I'm not going to lie. At the time, I was having a little bit of a fling with somebody. And um, I knew instantly my body, it was in my early 30s. I My body was like clockwork. I was still competing. Um, the periods came when they were supposed to. I was never like a heavy kind of uh, menstruation girl. God, that was a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it? But I wasn't a heavy menstruating person. And when I got pregnant, I remember that I was watching this tacky drama on television called EastEnders. This is um, one of those soaps in the UK I really got into. And actually, the reason why I got into EastEnders, sorry, I'm digressing here, but you need to know this. When I came to live in London at the age of 16, again with my mum, the reason why I liked EastEnders rightly or wrongly because it profiled London's East End and I'm hearing people talking with this kind of Cockney accent I'm seeing parts of London that I hadn't really seen well actually that's a lie because it's set in a square I don't know there was just something about it that old East End way of living that I was resonating with because I didn't really know London right I was sort of 16 anyway I digress in fact, I've digressed so much, I can't even remember what I was starting off with childless, wasn't I? Yeah, so we're talking about children. And um, I I was watching this EastEnders and I put my hand on my stomach because there was a girl in the soap that was pregnant and she announced it. And I thought, I think I am too. I can't tell you why, but I did know that I was pregnant. And lo and behold, I did the test and I was pregnant. And... Uh, what happened after that? I just trained harder than what I've ever trained before. I did think about abortion. I'll be honest with you because it wasn't with the right person. And I knew that I was catching whatever it was, this little thing early, early, early. And when I actually went to the doctor and had it confirmed and they said, wow, I mean, you are literally six weeks or five weeks or something like that. I did lose that child. I'd always been uh, scared of what childbirth would be like. But another big thing for me being childless at 50 is that I never wanted to raise a child on my own, not from the outset. So there's people that I know that have adopted children as a single person, but I never wanted to do that. I wanted a satellite family, whatever that looks like and at the time. And let's not do the binary, non-binary. What are you? I'm talking a man and a woman for me, because that's what I date, um, bringing up a child. And if it ended then fine. But I didn't want to start off. And I think that was because of my background. I'm going to be totally honest. And so maybe that manifested itself. I know I got pregnant, but it, was it wasn't with somebody that I was having a relationship with, right? So I believe, I don't know if I was supposed to have children, but the amount of people that have said I'd have been a fantastic mother is unbelievable. But I've got some great godchildren, so I am grateful for that. And I've always said that I'm so grateful to those who did foster me, good or bad, and I had a roof over my head, be it short or long term. 
And at one point, I really wanted to have my own kind of, I didn't want to call it a foster home, but this place where kids could come and take refuge. They'd be educated. They'd learn about their culture, whatever color they were. And I would nurture them into a life that they could be proud of. I guess it's not too late to do that, but hey ho. Am I the only one who has had an indifferent relationship with a woman that gave birth to me and finds phone calls a little tedious? The very rare meetups are very cold and banter is really anal. I'm talking about my mother. And I do wonder about that because at times when people have said to me, I I don't diss my mum, all my two sisters that I have in my life, I say in my life, I never really see them. You know, I've got this blood family that I don't really know. But someone has said to me before, you can't talk about your mum like that. And I'm not calling her anything unsavoury. But I just say, I don't have a good relationship with my mum. We don't get on. And my sister's waste of space. For me, that's what I've said, right? And, um, and yet, in the other breath, I will always, always be grateful for my mum. She didn't abort me. And I think it's interesting what I was just saying before about being childless at 50. My mum went through the pain of pushing me out, but not just me, three other, three other kids. She's got two daughters, my sisters, and I had a brother who died, unfortunately. I will talk about him in another episode called Grief. And she brought me into this weird and wonderful world with a family that were against her doing so. Apparently, my gran had given her an option abort or get out and my mum got out the least I can do is live my life like a don and obviously it's had its colourful uh episodes which I embrace too and I kind of think it's I never really talk about the rest of the blood family well she doesn't because I think there was a lot of pain going on in the early 60s mid 60s surrounding her and I'll be honest with you when it comes to Christmas time people said oh you don't really like Christmas do you but I think it's because now as an older adult I've never experienced what it's like to have what I think is this idealistic warm and loving family around you and yet that's not it right I mean Christmas should be about having your family around you not spending copious amounts of money which that is why I bought out of Christmas because the commercial side of it but I do like being around people but I haven't had it the Christmas I remember fondly was the last one um, with my own family was in New York and that was okay but also with my mum and you're having dinner on a train and she invites all her church people around and some of them are just fucking weird, man. So, um, but I did have a lovely Christmas a couple of years ago with this friend I said to you we did the craft with. I totally enjoyed it. And what she doesn't know, that was really special for me because I don't just go and sit down with people at that time of year. And I've had a few invites over the time and, um, but I never want to feel uncomfortable because, you know, people have got their set routine and, Personally, I just like eating a bit of food and then sit down and watch trash TV and have a little bit of a drink. But at the same time, I quite like to do the game thing and I don't know, it's weird. So my family, it's a bit controversial and uh, a bit of a travesty that I never have my own kids to change the narrative of what I call quite a weird family that's buried their head in the sand really and yeah, it's it's kind of really sad, but I'm not the only one. I really am not the only one who's gone through that or going through that. And it, it's, I'm kind of indifferent to it now. Am I the only one who makes friends in a heartbeat and then they disappear? <laughs> 
and won't entertain me again. I think I've said this anyway. Um, this was a long time ago. This used to happen. But none were really aware of the life pains I experienced and was going through due to my childhood. And why should they? As I said, it was my best kept secret. And I did everything I could to keep a friend at times a little too intensely. And I think this is what, you know, rather than going with the flow and letting things happen, I was all over having people really close. But working on me personally... I realise I'm not the only one who's gone through this, but it because it's helped me massively and it's down to personal development. I am so in tune with my goddamn self, which has allowed me to pull back when I feel something that's not quite good energy and I'm able to kick it to the curb. But more importantly, I can break down and understand why I've acted in a certain way or not. And that can be quite hard to do for a lot of people and it's interesting because I do want to run some workshops on this personal development side but as a friend explained to me do you know how long it takes people to get in tune with what they're really about here's a controversial one for you am I the only one that sometimes just sometimes still has palpitations about death look I know that we're born and we're going to die right it's a cycle of life but I used to have the most awful dreams about dying and it was really really bad that I'd wake up and it's always the same dream that there's a fairground over the top of me and I'm god knows how many feet under and everybody's having fun and I can just hear the murmurs of life going on it used to wake me up sweating and I just absolutely feared it so much and then when I think about it now I think It's been one hell of a year for people transitioning, mainly from a long-term illness, but also COVID. And I've got a whole episode coming up on grief. And it's going to be hard listening, but listen, we are all going to die. I just think it's the manner in how some people die, the grief that follows it. And then if you are still living and dealing with grief, how you carry on after that period. And some people will never get over it. They will, because I don't think it's a thing to get over if you've lost someone that you love or lost someone that you know or have heard of something or been impacted by it maybe, you know, six degrees of separation and you've been impacted. But yeah, but you'll be pleased to know I don't have many palpitations anymore. But as I'm now 50-ish, I thank God it could be round the corner. You just don't know, right? And um, I think I'm going to follow this up with, am I the only one who really cares and feels deeply for those who are vulnerable? Or those who are non-aware, or to the young that don't know any better, or who have died through no fault of their own? I am, there's so many. I I think of the victims of 9-11, the list is endless, and this is starting to sound a little bit morose. Am I the only one who gives my all when I work, especially for myself and I think so I think a lot of people do and I'm not the only one yet I tell friends I don't just live to work I make it work the other way around so I work to live but guess what I'm not really doing that at the moment I haven't been doing that but I am now because you know sometimes I wake up in the morning I think right turn the laptop on see what clients have sent me get on with that and today I'm recording this podcast. I have it's now 10 o'clock. I have not turned my laptop on to see what's coming in my inbox because I'm doing me. I'm doing Tina. And what I really want to get a message out there, sometimes you have to do you. And it may be, I'm not condoning this if you are employed, life is too short. If you feel that you don't want to go into work and you have to pull a sickie or whatever you do and you just 
say, I want to go shopping today. I mean, obviously not great if you're employed and you're out there doing it, but maybe your way is, I need to take emergency leave today. You don't have to give any answers. But sometimes we're on this rat race of a treadmill that we have to, we've got to do this and da 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 How many times can you sit down at the end of the week and say, I have just done me? And I guess for me, coming back to the work scenario, I kind of enjoy what I do, but am I madly passionate, passionate about it? Not there yet, but it's a work in progress. And I think it's because I need to really discover something. If I always wish I was a creative because I think it'd be so much easier. But I always wish that there was something that, I don't know, whether it was making clothes or something like that, that I could say, oh my God, this really is a business that I'm going to make it. I mean, saying that, I've got a friend who makes clothes. She's amazing. It's not her business. However, she's passionate about it that she actually teaches in the fashion industry. And I sometimes do think about, should I have really pursued a a career for myself, actually running my own business in sport? Because I am passionate about it, but I always opposed it because I'd been living it, competing in it. And I thought, no, every other athlete's gone down that route. So I'm still searching. So I think I need to really do find something I'm passionate about. And I and I am nearly there. And it's almost to do with helping people socially and, yeah, helping people socially. You know, I talked about last week giving back and going to the Commonwealth Games. And I've never got out of bed and gone to bed feeling so alive. So what I can say is work is hard and my ambition is to make money while I sleep. In other words... I need to find a passive income and also find a passion that I can totally wake up every morning and think, right, I've got to get on that. I'm also very aware that I think, am I the only one that still fucking wants a partner right now? (laughs) As I approach 60, I'm not 60, I'm nowhere near 60, but it's round the corner. So uh, I do manifest my thoughts around that quite heavily. So my beautiful people, I know I'm not the only one. But I do ask the question a lot. Am I the only one who dot, dot, dot? And I'm going to finish this on a quote by a lady called Helen Keller. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. I will not refuse to do something I can do. I really love that. And it's kind of just um, made me think a little bit more. But look. If you've enjoyed this podcast or any of my other episodes from season one, or you're just starting out, please go on to Apple Podcasts and uh, write me a review or just rate it. I want to up the listeners. I want to bring you on a journey. And if there's anything you would love me to talk about or ask me some questions, then please do. Take care. Until the next time. Bye.